And the, the real trick is I think people are starting to get really picky nowadays. And if you can make a great loop with your video, dude, so many people are going to respect that and want to watch it either again to watch the loop again, or even drop a comment because they realize how much work went into that. So the coolest companies from around the globe, the one request we tell our guests stories or didn't happen. A big welcome to our marketing fam. Prepare to turn them up. Hey Dino, welcome to the podcast. What's up? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you came highly recommended, so I'm excited to chat. Give us a little background about who you are. How did you get into marketing? My name's Dino. I actually did not graduate with any sort of marketing degree. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, so I just went the whole like business admin route in college. But the most of my marketing actually came from probably most people did this. They just listened to Gary Vee all the time. <laughs> So that's kind of where I got my start. And I kept that. I didn't really, really even think I was getting into marketing until I had just stepped out of a job at a church, actually. And I was talking to my dad and he has his own home inspection business called Anchor Safe Home Inspections. And I was just telling him, I was like, dad, this is what I think you should be doing. You need to be doing X, Y, Z. Let's get you on this. And he kind of had this moment where he was like, you know a lot about this stuff. Where'd you learn it all? And I was like, I guess just from being on Instagram and YouTube and watching YouTube videos and everything. So that's really where I got most of my, I guess my my learnings from was on YouTube, Instagram, whether it's Gary V or just other people I've watched on the internet. That's amazing. And right right now you have a marketing agency. What do you do in the agency for clients? Yeah. So it, at the beginning. <laughs> It started probably how most people start out, which is uh, who wants to pay me to do whatever you want. <laughs> but now it's gotten to a point where now I we repurpose content for clients to disperse onto all their social media platforms. So whether that's you know taking a podcast, something like this, and turning it into short form clips, or maybe they have a YouTube channel that they have a lot of long form videos on, but they don't want to have the time to break it down into shorter clips. That's what we do. So we take the big clips, whether it's YouTube or podcasts, and disperse it everywhere else. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's a lucrative business because I know a lot of people who get on podcasts and they don't have time to do the content distribution and also cut up all those clips to disperse and distribute on all these platforms. I'm one of those people who should be doing more of that, but I'm guilty of it. So. <laughs> Yep, we all are. So <laughs> tell me, tell me how I know you have like a dream to become a YouTuber. So tell me what you're trying to do with that and how the agency is supporting that. Yeah. So I remember, I, I don't know about you, I started going to counseling for the first time a couple of years ago. And I used to think counseling was for people who were messed up. <laughs> I was like, oh, only weirdos go there. And I was like, uh, well, I'm kind of weird, so maybe I need it. So <laughs> I started going and it really me and my counselor while I was in one my, my last job, we kind of got to this point where we were like, if you could do anything, what would you do? And that was kind of my first thought was like, I want to be a YouTube content creator. And as I was stepping out of that job, I had this moment where I was like, how am I going to make enough money 
to fund that dream? Like, am I going to just go get a nine to five and do that? And that idea did not appeal to me. So instead, I tried to look at some other options. I looked at some drop shipping ideas and I was like, can I get into real estate with a thousand dollars? I don't, I don't think that's going to work, but <laughs> I realized I settled on this idea of like, what if I did what I want to do, but if I did it for other people and they paid me to do it. So that's where this whole dream of creating a business to fund my passion kind of came out of is I was like, can I create something that's going to help other people? But also, is it going to be able to give me freedom with my time, freedom financially to really step in and give it my all on YouTube? So I decided, hey, I'll just take a few years, focus on building out this business. And then when it's at this point where I can spend a little bit more time stepping away, that's when I can really start having the freedom and the financial capability to give it my all on YouTube. That's awesome. I think one lesson a lot of young people don't do, especially like I wish I did more of in my early 20s was just like take risks and go for what you want. So that's awesome that you're doing that because I think you only live once, right? So right, especially for a marketer, but also what you're doing is pretty cool is I think every marketer should figure out how to have a side hustle, whether it's a, a passion side hustle or some or a content creation side hustle, because it teaches you so much about marketing, being in the weeds, doing it for other people, doing it for yourself. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. What is your passion of growing on YouTube? But what are you? What do you want to talk about on YouTube? What do you want to be a content creator for? Yeah. So one of the things, obviously, that inspires me is. You know, it's hard to not be inspired when you see people like Mr. Beast or Eric or really like Matthew Beam, kind of some of these quintessential YouTubers who are kind of larger than life. When I see those people, it just something stirs in me. I'm like, I want to be able to do that someday. But actually, this kind of plays into why I even started this in the first place was I remember listening to a podcast where Eric, uh, I don't know, are you familiar with who that is? No, I know who Mr. Beast is. Yeah, (laughs) Eric is a, he's actually been in some of Mr. Beast's videos, but I first heard about him because my, one of my good friends, Jordan Nations, he was rooming with Eric as he was on the come up. So like he was still kind of like a nobody and they were roommates and he was telling me, he's like, yeah, my, you know, this guy, Eric, he's really starting to build up a following on YouTube. And as I started listening to more about his story, I realized before he'd even gotten started on YouTube, and now he's got like almost 6 million uh, subscribers, before he even started there, he had built his own wedding videography business. So he had experience taking something that didn't exist and building it to be a sustainable model. And so from there, that's why I was like, okay, I think I should do this too, because Building a YouTube channel and building a uh, a business, they're pretty similar. There's a lot that is similar, whether that's pitching yourself, you know, negotiating brand deals, figuring out how to do operations and succeed and figure out things that work and don't work. That's a lot of where that inspiration came from. So that's sort of 
why I, I really like that sort of style too is these people, Eric, Mr. Beast, they're they're creating not just a YouTube channel that's just them and a camera. They're building a whole production team. And I think that's that's really where I would like to land. You know, as as my content grows, I think maybe I'll evolve as time goes on, but that's sort of the big picture dream. That's awesome. What really resonated with me is that, which happens a lot to a lot of creators, is you need to think of yourself as a business now and function as a business. A lot of creators get swindled by a lot of companies and like deals. They get into contracts which screw them over. They don't understand marketing per se. They, they're just very good at creating content, but they don't know how to convert into like monetization track. So right. learning learning how to be a business is so crucial for... And I think Mr. Beast and the people you're talking about have built a business around being a creator and the product is just the video, but the, totally. they have sustainable business of people working for them, a video person, an editor. They have it down to a science of who's going to do what for this video and that video. It's it's pretty crazy. And I think that's the problem with a lot of content creators and why it's great that you're starting an agency because a lot of things is like you need to hire people to do a lot of the things. Otherwise it's hard to be right. sustainable. I know at the beginning, a lot of these creators would come up, but I mean, Mr. B says in his videos all the time, it's, it's a 10 X idea over a, hmm. a 10 X or, or over long consisting of content for YouTube at least. So yeah, he focuses on the idea over the, the consistency of, but some people aren't that good at creating ideas so um, Mm -hmm. but he said if you focus on the idea more it'll be great but i want to go into more of like what is so mr beast and iraq are your your inspirations but what is your inspiration for what type of youtuber you want to be like if i gave you like an audience that you want to like create content for who is that for yeah no that's great i think sometimes people want to almost, I guess, uh, entertain themselves. So I guess an audience that I really care about is someone who's kind of just like me. And it's pretty easy to know who that person is because that is me. (laughs) But (laughs) there's, there's this type of person that is really outgoing, really energetic, really fun, really personable, And there are a lot of people, we all know that one person who like sat at everyone's lunch table and they're that person who has a lot of friends and feels like they can connect with a lot of people, but they, they have that X factor. They just don't know how to get it from here to there. They don't know what's missing for them. And sometimes they feel like they hit a wall over and over and over again, and they don't really know what to do. And so I think for me, that's a type of person I'm really passionate about is this sort of really creative entrepreneurial spirit that feels like they're kind of restricted by, you know, whatever the society that says, hey, you need to go get a job, you need to do X, Y, and Z and follow this exact path. But as well as they, they, they have this longing to create something and to, to put something out into the world. And they just don't know how to do that consistently. They don't know how to do that 
without getting their feelings hurt. And they don't know how to do that and make money off of it. And so that's a little bit of what I'm really setting out to do is figure all that out on the front end. So that way I can turn back around and say, here's how to do this, guys. I've set the framework up and I just want you to be free like I am. I love that. I mean, some of the best content obviously is entertainment, but education and helping people. And then it's cool that you want to share your knowledge. I think that's how I got into creating on Twitter and LinkedIn was I just wanted to help younger marketers because I didn't get the chance to learn from that many younger marketers when I was growing up. I had some good mentors growing up, but as more out of college, I just didn't know what good marketing was until I got mm-hmm. these mentors. But not a lot of people are gifted with like a good boss or a good mentor. So having a path for these great creators, uh, marketing creators to help teach marketers is why I got into it. It's 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 a cool thing to be a part of, but it's totally I like the I like the how you're doing that for people like you. Do you understand how your technology stack comes together? Or have you spent hours on end trying to get a full picture of how your organization uses marketing tools? Well, consider checking out Tech Stack Builder at maga.io. In a few moments, it can take your corporate domain and detect all your tools and help you create a visual data flow in just minutes. Check it out today at maga.io, which is M-C-G-A-W.io. What have you learned of what works for good content repurposing? Like what makes a good repurposed video? That's actually super interesting because it's a lot of what I've been a lot of what I've been learning over the last six months. You can't really just take a clip and post the clip. Sometimes you can, like sometimes the clip is either like so controversial that you can just straight up post a clip and then everyone's gonna want to talk about it because they think one person's wrong, one person's right, whatnot. But what I found is a lot of people use the clip as the meat and then they add the bread, which is like an intro that says, hey, this is what this clip is about to be about. And then it slides into the clip and it's got usually always got to have captions on. Usually the more animated the captions can be, the the better your retention on that video is going to turn out. And then on the back end, there's that other half where it's like, hey, almost like a wrap up, maybe like a call to action. And the, the real trick is I think people are starting to get really picky nowadays. And if you can make a great loop with your video, dude, so many people are going to respect that and want to watch it either again to watch the loop again, or even drop a comment because they realize how much work went into that. So someone, for example, that does this really well, if you want to look at it, is someone like Colin and Samir. Have you heard of them before? I have. They're really yeah. They're great creators. Yeah, they're I love them. And their shorts that they post on on YouTube shorts are like a clear example of where all of this is headed for like a repurposed video because they always have the last end of their clip lead right into the beginning of their next one. And usually I guess what that does is they write out their sentence and then they kind of add the like the hook is actually at the end when you film and sort of the recap is at the beginning 
which feels kind of weird when you're reading it off, but that way you can cut it right in the middle, add the hook at the beginning of the video. Then you just add, you know, that recap and call to action at the end. So that way it's like a perfect loop and it ends up looking really nice. And that's what I found. At least those types of videos perform much better than if you just slap a video up online and cross your fingers. Yeah, I feel that that's awesome tip. I think I don't even notice that happening a lot on TikTok. And I'm, I'm like, did I just listen to the whole clip Is again? <laughs> right. Uh, also, it also on podcasts, it works if you have an intro and a podcast and you have something cool leading up and then you just cut the clip and then go in the yes. intro. People want to like go find what they what they're saying. It's a little different right. because it's not a YouTube short you have to or a TikTok you have to make a lead into the video again, where at least on podcasts, you just have them go find a longer form piece of content. Right. Something actually, if I can say something, I don't see anyone else doing, but I saw Anthony Padilla, who is on Smosh. He has his own YouTube channel and what his clips do really well. And something that he does at the end of all of his clips that I I literally have never seen anyone else do. And this really is only for YouTube shorts, but he adds a little end screen at the end of his videos. So he doesn't necessarily go for the loop, but he has a little end screen at the end that says that literally points out, hey, if you click the three dots at the bottom, you can find the full episode. And that's not really anything. You, you can't really do that with Instagram reels or TikTok. You kind of have to say, hey, link in bio for the whole video. And that's like such a, it sounds so silly, but that's such a big step. Like, ugh, now I got to go to your profile. And, <laughs> and so unless I really liked it, I will do that. But that's a kind of like a pro tip that I've seen on YouTube is you can include in the description of your YouTube shorts, uh, which you kind of have to go into the back end and edit all the details. But you can add the link to the original video, the, the full video, the full podcast episode, whatever. And then if you just have at the end, hey, click the three dots for the full video that I was so surprised. I was like, that's a great idea. Yeah, it's. It's crazy because I feel like it makes sense on YouTube because they want people to watch more videos. TikTok and other platforms, they just want you to stay on the platform. So they're going to make it hard for you to leave and make it annoying for you to leave. But YouTube's smart. I never knew they were doing that, but that's super smart. If creators had long-form video, repurposed them into shorts and then had that loop back into the podcast or a longer form video or an educational video. That's a super smart. I, I'm sure I never go on shorts that much. And I, I'm a big TikTok person, but yeah. And you're a big YouTube person. Yeah. But do you get on reels that much? Like, well, yeah, I'm interested to hear kind of like what you think the difference between the three are reels, shorts, and TikTok. I think TikTok is tailored to your preferences. So you're just in a feed where you just know it's what you've liked and right. it's just mindless reels. I feel like they're just repurposed TikTok. It's literally just TikTok. Um, <laughs> it's like which, TikTok, but a week ago. But Instagram's <laughs> always been that Instagram, not at the beginning it wasn't, but Instagram the last two, three years are repurposed tweets, repurposed 
reels, repurpose. I mean, repurpose TikToks, repurpose YouTube clips. Like it's been re- right. a repurposed platform, not a like nobody cares about a nice photo anymore. Um, right. But and then I mean, YouTube Shorts. I just think are for the people who don't are just you love YouTube. I think right. I think there are those YouTube people who are on YouTube all day watching YouTube videos and they need that snackable content that's easy to get value and entertainment quick and not have to. And they've got used to this TikTok mode. And I also think it, I think it was intended for like most of these platforms. And this is my theory intended mm-hmm. for younger audience at first and totally. then it's going to go to the the millennial and then go down because i think the most people i know are on youtube are i mean people learning stuff but a lot of them are younger kids watching gaming videos and totally learning in college and all that stuff i mean i go on youtube but i'm more on linkedin twitter tiktok yeah. and live platforms Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It always seems to trickle up. It always starts. I don't know. Cause I first, it's funny. Cause if you think about it, the people who were first using TikTok, it, it was kind of similar, really trend with something like Instagram, right. Where really it was just college kids, maybe some high schoolers using Instagram and then it trickles its way up. Same thing with Facebook, exact same thing with TikTok, you know, start, it, I probably even started younger. I remember there was like, an eight-year-old on TikTok. And I was like, what is that? No, this I remember like in 2018. Yeah. yeah. I remember in 2016, maybe yeah, 2016 to 15, my cousins who were like very young, they were, oh, were on musically. Yeah. And they made me do music. <laughs> oh god. Oh gosh. <laughs> they made me do musically with them. And I was like, this platform is going to be really cool. And then it changed to TikTok. Uh-huh. And then I told my fiance, I was like, you need to get a TikTok. And this is like 2019. And she's like, no, it's for kids. No Nobody's using TikTok. And I'm like, <laughs> I loved it. And now she's more addicted to TikTok than me. And I'm not. Yeah. That much, but it, it always starts with looking at the younger generation and seeing what's trending there. It's never, totally. I think because they're always in younger kids are always in the know of what's like fresh and new and trending. Right. Yeah. And that's honestly kind of what surprises me even a little bit. And I'll I'll just say this on that topic, I guess, is I'm surprised with how much Snapchat stays with the young. I feel like Snapchat's the one thing that hasn't really done that trickle up effect. It's almost just kept trickling down because I don't use Snapchat anymore. I used to a lot. But I don't know anyone over the age of 30 that uses Snapchat, but you can, I, I went and asked some high schoolers. Uh, I, met, I was like, hey, rank these three in order. Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat. And they said, without skipping a beat, they said, Snapchat number one, TikTok number two, and I don't have an Instagram. <laughs> I was yeah. like, are you serious? So I think that's super interesting, I guess, where Snapchat fits into all that. And I'm, I'm still trying think, to figure that out, I think. I think it's two things. I think one, that's when you're younger, you have this like tight, t- tight-knit group of friends that you're talking to a bunch. 
Because my cousins won't even text me back. They won't <laughs> stab me back. That's how I get like my younger cousins. They won't even text me back. I think it's that. And also, I think there's like this thing when you're a kid where you're scared of your parents looking at your text messages. Ooh, yeah, truth. And totally. Like, so you just rather keep it on. I'm just going to Snapchat. Because like, my parents yeah. don't know about that. Um, right. Because a lot of parents like look at kids' phones and do so. I think that's mm-hmm. that's part of it, a little part of it too. But yeah, it hasn't really. I I rarely go into Snapchat. I haven't been, like only to check if my like cousins have messaged me or not. Totally. What are some things that you've learned from learning YouTube and being like a YouTube creator? I know you're in your beginning stages, but what are some things that you like patterns that you're noticing? from top YouTube creators that they're doing very well. Yeah. I think obviously some of the best people in the world to get, or some of the YouTubers now are the best people in the world at keeping your attention. And a lot of how they do that is they're strictly focused on figuring out how to increase their retention rate. And you can tell a huge difference in a YouTuber, I think, when they first started versus kind of once they've done it a while and they've gotten some training, some coaching from others. And you can kind of see them adapting to what this sort of YouTube format is, is you notice there's almost barely a time. There's two things. One is story. First off, is they've just become expert storytellers and some of the best videos are simply just the best stories, just straight up. If you can create a captivating story that keeps people engaged over time, then you're going to crush it. But the other thing too is wrapping into that is you almost notice how important the first like 60 seconds to a minute are. There's a creator named Matthew Beam who has been creating for a long time, but more recently kind of popped off, I guess. And he made a video one time and I had to just stop. I I stopped whatever I was doing and I had to rewatch it like four times, just the first 60 seconds because of how good it was. And I, and I noticed something I said within the first 60 seconds, he's told me what they're trying to do. He's told me what the stakes are. He's given some context of like different characters that might show up throughout the video, whether that's his friends, coworkers, the the person they're trying to make something for. And then they averaged almost like a, a cut every second, like the average. So within 60 seconds, there were 60 cuts, boom, 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 boom. And so it makes sense that he would be so focused on retention that he's going to tell you the story tell you why it's important and keep you focused and interested through engagement. Those are kind of like the biggest trends I've noticed is the time of just kind of like uploading just a video every day has started to kind of dwindle. People like PewDiePie, who when the platform was first made, I don't think he was focused on any of that. He was just like, I just post a video every day. And he did so for like eight years. And so that's why he was at the top for so long, but people are starting to really figure out this platform and there's still time to get in on it, but 
there, I think as we progress the curve, or at least the, the minimum level of excellence just keeps going up and you have to get that much better in order to make a splash. So that's kind of like what I've seen. I mean, I have this theory, not theory, but I, I've seen some other people talk about it, but I agree with it. And, but I feel like attention spans haven't gone down that much. I feel like our filtering system as people to of good, what good content has just gone up. Yeah. I totally. think we just had a bad, I think our filtering system in our brain are just like, okay, this is a bad piece of content. I'm not going to consume it anymore where, cause people watch our YouTube videos and people watch Netflix shows and people listen to hour long podcasts. It's not their attention. That's, being lost is the people are not that either the content sucks or the people are not entertainers or you just can't put out a bad piece of content anymore and the, and that right. make it make it right unless you're one of those huge creators that already have a following but if you're in your beginning this is what i tell a lot of people on linkedin it's and twitter you just have to be be like above average of like the average content out there and you'll be succeed in the platform or better than that mm-hmm. and be a little bit consistent, but you have to be above average because people are not going to stop and read. And then you got to figure out the things of each platform, like how to get it seen. What are the hooks? What are the, the first line? How, and think about all those little pieces that will be seen. But I think you just have to create above average content to be right. able to, that's why like, Netflix stock is crashing right now because they're mm. not creating above average. Their content was above average to not many competitors, but now HBO Max and Hulu are competing against them. So now they don't. They're they're about. They have to create even better content to sustain their growth. Otherwise, they're not going to grow. Totally, and I think like, yeah, exactly like you said, and even to. I don't want people to listen to this and think like Dino's telling me not to make content unless it's good. Like the, I guess the follow-up on that would also be like, you can't ever figure out how to make good content until you make bad content. Like you have to make at least a certain amount of bad stuff until you start getting good at it. So that's kind of something that encourages me too, is at the same time is like, it's not luck and it's not the YouTube or TikTok algorithm hating you, if your content isn't getting seen, there, there is a reason for that. And so it's up to you to, to learn the skill better. So I yeah. think that's really cool. I think, I think what you're right, you have to create, it's like practice. You have to mm-hmm. put in the reps to know what good content is otherwise. And you also got to let the audience decide what's good content. You can't decide mm-hmm. what's good content. Right. Let the algorithm decide what's good content. A lot of my posts where I thought they weren't going to do well, dude, very yes. well. And a lot of my posts, said, but you have to just get over. Once you just start creating a lot, you will start seeing patterns on how your content. I think there's something of like finding content market fit of finding what type of content you can produce that fits a gap in the market that people actually want to listen to where a lot of people put out stuff and they, they want this big audience and, nobody's listening because nobody cares about that niche or their niche is on a different platform. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You made a good point. I think for me, like I, 
I wasn't seen for the first six months on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Like I was, there was this consistently like a thousand views until I hit, I learned how to create, saw how there's, but I think a faster way to do it is what you're doing is look what the best are doing, try reverse engineer what the best are doing and create like them. And that will help. You will learn how to do it over time. But if you if you don't cringe at your first video, you probably are not creating better and better content getting better like i created oh, yeah. the first piece of content i ever created totally yeah i mean my all most of my content is just a cringe fest so you just gotta scroll a year back and i'm like oh gosh <laughs> wouldn't have done that but totally absolutely cool one last question i want to ask you is what do you think a lot of people are doing wrong with content repurposing that's a great question. It, it kind of goes back to a little bit of what I said in the past, but I think they are using the idea that like, oh, we've already made the content. We have to just post it as sort of like a crux to just getting it out there instead of remaking it into what's native for the different platforms. So a lot of people might just take a reel and just post it on TikTok and then think, why isn't it performing well on TikTok? Or same thing, like you might take a video that you posted um, on your YouTube channel and you're like, oh, I'll just take that just straight up audio or video file and just post it on TikTok and it should go well. And yeah, like I guess if it's a good video and it resonates, it could. But a lot of people aren't taking just a little bit of extra time to think about how can I make this fit in to what this platform wants? Because they're all different, even though they're all short form video. And we've kind of even talked about this a little bit is like each platform wants something different, even though it looks exactly the same. So TikTok is definitely, I think, a little bit more casual and it's much more like ahead of the trend curve where Instagram is a little bit more just following that. And then YouTube, it's definitely a little bit more like YouTube video focused or just like kind of teaching education a little bit more for older people, I think. So yeah, I think that's, that's a huge thing as far as what people are doing wrong with content repurposing is they're just taking one thing and just assuming it'll work well everywhere when you have to take it just even a few minutes to think, what could I do to make this stand out on TikTok and or on YouTube shorts or on reels? And I guess to follow up on that, you might say like, well, do you know, what is that? Like how do, you know, what are those things that could really make it stand out? That could be, you know, using on TikTok, obviously using kind of like the voice text to speech, you could really apply that to some of your repurposed videos onto TikTok. Using that instantly just like grabs people's attention. I think it's a great idea. Maybe it is similar to what we said earlier, which is like filming a before and after hook that maybe you didn't do already. You're doing that. You're saying, hey, this is a quick video that I made about X topic. Check it out. Those are, I think, just a few few things that I've noticed. Yeah, I love that. I think that is... I love how you said that, and I totally agree with it, is that 
every platform is it's its own language. It has its own voice and its own way of functioning. And you, it's like going, it's like going into like a country and trying to speak to someone in English and everybody's speaking Spanish. Like totally, nobody's going to understand and comprehend what you're trying to do with it. You have to. And that's the same with advertising too, is you have to fit into the feed. You have to make it feel natural to that platform. And it, people could smell when it doesn't feel natural to the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. In a second. Well, the last minute, I just want to give you a chance to say where people can find you and find your YouTube channel and be some of your first subscribers. Hey. Our first thousand subscribers. Hey, yeah, Absolutely. The easiest way, I guess, you could find most of anything I'm I'm doing uh, is just through uh, a link. That's bio.link slash Dino. So D-I-N-O. That's just sort of got all my links on it. It's got my YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. It's got my website for my company, Mercury Media. So that would be kind of like the main thing is bio.link slash Dino. But yeah, you can find all my all my content, all of kind of what I'm chasing after on that. So awesome. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you give him a follow on those platforms. If you're, if you're on those platforms, but yeah, he is a great Twitter. I've seen some of these YouTube videos. He's doing some great stuff. So, and also it's great to see a content creator on the rise. So we'll see, we'll see in five years of that, that dream of being the next Mr. Beast comes to. Hey, comes that's to the mind. goal. I appreciate that, man. Thanks so much for the opportunity to be here. Cool. Thank you so much. Cool. All right, man. Talk to you soon.